You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learn. Abdacha, Austin, Shabak is a deal. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Bella. Onside, 1 0. Blue fast shot. Oh my word. It's unbelievable. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans, and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show. No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope you enjoy it. And maybe it makes it a little bit better that this is the originally scheduled international break the last one of the season so there wouldn't be any football this weekend anyway but let's face it it's been a couple of weeks we miss it that's it i I think that's just it uh we're all adjusting to life as it is right now and it will be this way for the foreseeable future we still don't know the future uh or, or when the season will come back if it will come back how it will be played out um, with uh, the top divisions of the men's game. But the NWSL season, the division that the Southampton Women's Football Club plays in, is officially done. The records will be expunged. And that means that, uh, although we weren't due to talk about that necessarily, uh, that takes up the bulk of this week's conversation is, what do you do with a season that didn't really happen? And to help me make sense of that is the club media officer for the Southampton Women's Football Club, Haley Newman. Uh, Haley is going to join the show uh, virtually, of course, because we are social distancing, uh, never mind the fact that we live uh, you know, approximately 11-hour flights from one another. But anyway, she'll join the show, and we'll talk a little bit about her role at the club. Uh, we'll talk about uh, some, some moments in the season that, although they won't officially show up in record books anywhere, uh, they are going to be maybe impossible to, to kind of uh, forget. Uh, we'll talk about that stuff. We'll talk about the FA Cup run uh, and a number of other things that uh, Haley uh, we'll bring up as uh, during our conversation. So uh, I think that you'll enjoy it. I hope that you'll enjoy it. And uh, if you want to get in touch with the Southampton Women's Football Club, you can do that. They are on Twitter at S-O-T-O-N Women's F-C. Uh, the website is southamptonwfc.co.uk. If you want to get in touch with Haley, you can do that at Newman Hay on both Twitter and Instagram. The links to all of those things are in the show notes. And as always, if you are interested in sponsoring either the team or a player from the club, you can do that. Get in touch with Amanda Burroughs, the club secretary. Uh, the link to that is in the show notes. They rely on sponsorships to make the season happen. So um, even though this season will not continue, the next one will, uh, and you can be a part of it. Just get in touch with her. So uh, let's talk to Haley now. Talk to you on the other side. Thanks for joining. I hope you're well. Well, it's nice to like have somebody on the show who understands the importance of getting the surrounding sounds before you start recording. Some people are like, I'm like, all right, 10 seconds of room noise. And like, yeah, cool. And they just keep talking. I'm like, no, 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 I need you to actually be quiet. Shut up. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, we'd like to welcome back to the show, uh, Haley Newman. She is the 
media officer for the Southampton Women's Football Club, whose season, unfortunately, is now um, come to a close. But uh, you can find her on Twitter at Newman Hay and on Instagram at Newman Hay. And you can get in touch with the Southampton Women's Football Club on there as well at S-O-T-O-N Women's F-C. Um, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Matthew. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been meaning to catch up. Uh, this is the scheduled uh, international break for for Southampton and for uh, you know men's football across the the UK. But um, right now there is no season, and I don't know when the season's coming back. But uh, you know we did get some, I guess, some uh, clarification on what's happening with uh, the Southampton Women's Football Club season. And and this, I mean, my understanding after reading the thing is that it's over and that this year basically just won't count. Yeah, that is basically what the FA have said. Um, I believe it was a decision made between the FA and the league, but they didn't actually speak to the clubs involved. So there's a couple of clubs at the moment that are a little bit less than happy, and I think they may be challenging their decision, but it is what it is, unfortunately. You know, we as a club, we were still in with the shout for our title, um, but obviously everything's going to be wiped off the slate which is actually really disappointing in terms of say some of the results some records um because there are things that have been achieved this season that i'm now sitting here thinking do they no longer count they say like player appearances you know we had a couple of players this year that hit milestones you know 50 club appearances um 100 club appearances 50 goals um or they've like now narrowed down those records and suddenly going, well, actually, have I got to wipe them all off the slate now? Um, that seems to be the case, but yeah, it was an interesting decision to come out, um, but we'll deal with it and look ahead to the next season. Obviously, we're assuming next season is going to take place as normal, so starting in August, but we haven't actually had clarification on that because it might also be determined on when the rest of the football season, because they haven't actually decided what they're going to do with the top two tiers of women's football. So the WSL and the championship, um, I think they're looking to get them concluded, but that can still, you know, be in another few weeks before we find out what happens there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can imagine that the, the teams that are upset about it are the teams that are looking at potential shot for promotion. Um, you know, and in the the movement upward uh, to the next division uh, above you of women's football is is a big it's a big jump, and it would mean a lot for uh, the club to to have that opportunity. Um, and yeah, it, it's been kind of it's kind of stopped everything. And you know, we don't know when the Premier League's coming back or any any men's football. We don't know when the the top two divisions of women's football is going to come back. Um, and you can understand. I mean, there's. You talk about the men's game. There's a lot of money in the Premier League and and downwards in terms of the the TV rights deals and things like that. And what has to happen if those games don't get played? Um, you have the you know the they're talking about potentially playing games behind closed doors and things like that. And I think all of that disrupts um, kind of what we want. We all want to watch football. I think I think that's that's kind of why we. I mean, it's why you do your job, and that's why I do my job, and uh, or not my job, but the, this this show and. To not have that, especially when you're stuck at home, is kind of like, man, like, I, w- I wish we could. But in the grand scheme of things, that's really probably not as big of a deal as is is uh, sometimes we make it out to be. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, if anything, I think the current world situation is bringing home that 
sports, you know, football in particular, it's not the be all and end all. There are more important things, you know, your health, spending time with your family, you know, doing other things. You can have a break from it. But we are very much in a situation that we just don't know how sport, football, obviously in our case, is going to come back from this. Like, how do does it all resume um, and where we go from here? Um, well, I, I, w- I would say let's talk about the season that was or wasn't. But um, so, yeah, I guess let's 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 do that. Um, so for people that don't maybe know uh, what your role is at the club or what a media officer does, um, can you just kind of describe what you do um, at a club like Southampton Women's? Uh, granted, we know that it's a it's a fairly small kind of staff. There are a lot of people volunteering a lot of time, but uh, can you kind of just describe your role as a as a the media manager? Yeah, I'll describe what I've created the role as. I mean, I don't know whether this is what 100% a media officer does, okay. but for me, um, I do pretty much anything media wise that you see for the club. So that's social media. Uh, match reports, interviews, that's like the video or written ones, um, which are generally like post-match interviews. The website, when I get a chance, um, <laughs> keep that updated. And I also do our match day program. So that's all designed and put together by me. Um, obviously, I'm, you know, I'm chasing a couple of people for say, answers to interviews for that or chasing the manager, Aaron, weekly um, for his manager notes the program but um all the graphics as well this year so like goal graphics all the match graphics and uh, to tell people yeah we've got a game coming up um they were all by myself um so yeah that's basically it for me is just anything media wise it's me yeah well how did you i mean that's a lot of different things to to take into consideration you have you know uh because all of that stuff is is at some point highly specialized, right? Like between like there are audio people, there are video people, there are people who are doing graphics and and all of those things. And I mean, how did you get into? I, I guess where did that that desire, where did that that uh, kind of interest in that come from for for you? Um, it was like at school I wanted to be a journalist, and then I sort of looked at sports journalists. So that's why I went off to sort of do college and university, and then. Um, when I got into being asked into working um, in football and more specific, specifically with a club, it was like, obviously I'd done little bits of various things when I was at um, studying. So we delved in a bit of filming, editing, um, um, magazine design and various things. So I had a lot of different elements anyway my main sort of area of strength I would always say had been my writing but because I had the background of other things I was like I can take that in and then when I joined my very first club within when I got into the working club level um within the sort of I think the first four six weeks I had the chairman was going can you do x can you do this can you do that and suddenly I went from say turning up to do a few tweets about the match on a day and then do the report and maybe a post-match interview I was suddenly doing various other things and then as the sort of um I got went through and we were trying to sort of like be a bit more sort of visual um on across social media in terms of like graphics I had in my first club I did actually have someone that 
did our goal graphics, did our match promotion graphics for us. And then as I moved on, it was sort of like, well, actually, they're not getting to me these graphics on time, you know, within time for me to adequately promote stuff or um, just, you know, I just suddenly was like, hang on a minute, I've got Photoshop, I can do this. And that's kind of how it sort of stemmed from. So I very much am a bit of a sort of say jack of all trades, master of none. Um, but it does the job. People seem to like what gets produced. Um, I'm no way am I saying I'm, you know, brilliant at everything. I definitely not. But be able to try and put my hand into a few different things. It just allows us to have that sort of like visual, you know, um, and for certain things, I'm always Googling tutorials as well. I'm sort of like getting an idea. I'm like trying to see if I can find a tutorial, if I can follow it and then it works. And I'm like, Oh, like, Oh, brilliant. That's, um, really good to do. And I try and then recreate it or try and sort of spur it into other things. So yeah, it's sort of come trial and error or the fact that I've studied they sort of teach you a few different things and obviously you can say specialize in certain things as you said um you get people that are really into like sound um people that are more sort of just film based or writing whereas i kind of get a bit of a kick out of doing it it all and i like the fact that i can do different things because it just keeps the role varied so it means that we don't have to just do the same thing because where it is just myself it would get a bit boring if it was just the same thing over and over and over. So that's why it's good to have those different um, things to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, I understand kind of all of that. And in terms of, I mean, I have people that I go to for help on everything and, and they may be sick of, of me asking. Um, and I have, you know, the same kind of YouTube channels that I, I frequent in terms of trying to get things done. And, and that's kind of how you have to do it, especially if it's just a kind of a one person, kind of a one person gig. And, mm. Uh, my thought and what I thought you were going to say and, and um, was that, you know, you, what you want to do is, is writing and in, I think you have made yourself kind of indispensable almost in terms of doing all of the other stuff that, that needs to be done. But, you know, it was, you were brought in to write and then this other stuff sounds like it kind of creeped in at the, the last club you were at. Uh, was that, was that at Chichester or was that somewhere else? Um, that was my very first club. Portsmouth, okay. Oh, was, okay. You weren't going to mention that. See, I, um, I, I ruined it. <laughs> Right. Yeah, when I was with um, Portsmouth Women, um, I got introduced there. The chairman at the time, Mick, as I said, he just sort of like was suddenly going because um, obviously he again wanted to bring the certain things that the club did up a standard. So it was like something just basic like the match day program before. It was just done by somebody on, um, I think it was like, you know, the Microsoft publisher, Office publisher. Yeah. Someone just used to do, use that. Um put something together on like about four or eight pages um and then they used to print one copy and then they used to go into their worker place and just photocopy it and then it would just be kind of hand folded together Mick was like no I want something you know can we do something better and then he phoned me up and was like can you do that can you like design something I was like yeah and lucky enough at the time I actually had all the software um as well to do it so I was like yeah I can do that and I was like, can we do this and I can do that? Um, so yeah, it stemmed from there. And then as I've moved on and into different clubs, so when I was at Chichester, 
certain people sort of push or go, oh, can you try this idea? Can you try that idea? And I, and I sort of like did, or it'd be like just ideas thrown out. And um, last year with Chichester, we um, had our County Cup final. So I wanted to do one of those sort of video things where it sort of shows sort of like the build up of the game or build up to the game and uh, people milling around but like just sort of that those sort of four minute videos where it sort of like crashes everything in together uh-huh. um wanted to do one of those and i put that together did a bit of planning you know i had somebody could obviously on the night i was doing my normal sat at the laptop tweeting out the, the match updates so i was like I want footage of around the ground, not just like the normal match footage. I was like, ah, so I just wrote down loads of sort of ideas of like what shots I want. Gave the, that list to someone, gave them a camera and went, can you do it? And they did it. And then I spent, you know, a couple of days pushing it, cramming it all together to edit something into that four minute thing that went up. And that was quite a, a good, um, good hit with people. So, yeah, I guess in terms of uh, those those types of, I guess projects and things that you're trying to do, because I'm sure there's a there's an element of you know wanting to try new things and trying to like push yourself a little bit, um, and and also you know help the the club out and put out like a, a good kind of product. But what was the, I guess the most challenging thing for you this season, kind of in your role at, at the club? Um, I think it's just basically time, just finding the time to do things. Um, I uh, I'm a volunteer, as everybody is. I work full time, um, so that's you know 40 hours a week I'm spent in a, a workplace. But then you have to add on, say, an extra hour either side of that. So it's about 10 hours a week traveling to and from work. And I don't live in Southampton near where we train, so I haven't been able to sort of do as many interviews and features as, as I would like to because. I can't get down to training because I also don't drive. So I'm very reliant on lifts and where the times that they start the training in comparison to when I can get to someone in order for them to pick me up to take me, it's very tight. And because of the area I live in, um, I actually, you know, I found recently where there was next to no traffic, um, my travel time, I lost sort of like 15, 20 minutes because there was no tra- cars. So it just showed actually there was no one on the road i could get to pieces quicker but yeah i can't so and i'm traveling say when i need to get to them during rush hour peak time so it's just that timing because i haven't been able to do that but you know i have planned things in in order to do something but i haven't always been able to do it so that's something i want to look at next year can i get into a position where i can get time to train in a bit more i think i am in a job now where they might be a bit more flexible with me, say, moving a shift so I can sort of finish earlier in order so I can actually meet people for lifts in order to sort of put out a bit more because I feel my role, the more I can put out, more visibility I can put for the club, the better because it's better for sponsors, it's better for people to see, oh, hang on a minute, Southampton Women's, oh, they've got a club, when do they play the games? It all links in. Right. And the the overall idea for what I do is to just get more people through the game because that's the thing I always feel makes football is getting a crowd. 
Yeah. It's just what it's the part and parcel of football. You need to have people in the ground watching, cheering, shouting. You need that. Yeah. Well, I, and there's, I mean, a lot of it that goes along with it is when people see the club or they, they interact with the club, whether it's, it's on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or, or YouTube or whatever, when they come across it and the way that the club comes across is that it's, you know, it's a well-run like organization and, and you have a lot to do with the, the face of that. And mm. like you said, for sponsors and also for, for new players that are coming in, of course, they're going to look at um, the, the structure of the club and the chance they have to play and where they could play and, and the, the training opportunities and things they'll have. But, you know, nobody wants to play for a club that looks like it's, you know, uh, just a, a guy throwing out a couple of cones and, and we're going to, you know, play a game. And like, that's that people want to to play for something that, that I, and it probably sponsor something that looks a, a bit more professional and, and the club totally, totally does. And um, that's, that, that goes down to a lot of your hard work and a lot of hard work from behind the scenes from everybody else as well. But um, I guess for, for you, since you kind of get a, a do over year next year, um, what, what would you, what's a piece of advice you would give yourself in terms of looking ahead, knowing that you're going to gonna settle into a fairly long season again? What, what piece of advice would you give yourself for next year? I suppose I've got um, a couple of bits, really. Um, one, just don't get stuck in your own head when you can't do things. You know, it is what it is. Um, and also just continue to plan and prepare, even if you don't do it. The ideas and planning was there, so you'd maybe use it another day. Um, and just having those plans there was good. Um, I guess in terms of, you know, coming into the season with, with the team, uh, looking at the, the squad, did you have like some expectations in terms of, of how things would go on the pitch? Um, and, and kind of what were those expectations? I think, um, we wanted to be challenging for the title. Um, you know, we want, we needed to be challenging up there. They, you know, placed second the previous two seasons. So we wanted to be, right up there again we knew it was going to be challenging when you've got um a team that's just been newly promoted but the you know they've got a male um, club who is plowing say a million pounds into them yes that's probably spread over like say three or four years but still mm-hmm. that sort of level of financial investment is huge um and you know but we wanted to be up there the, you know the girls had the capabilities of being up there, they definitely did. Um, and they did um, prove that more and more than a couple of occasions this year, um, that they are sort of, they are capable. Um, and they just need to, I think, realize that going into next year and have that belief in themselves and just, you know, just play their game. I think some of them possibly just need to sort of just breathe a bit and possibly take the advice that, I'm giving myself is don't get stuck in your own head when you can't do things. Just move on. If you make a bad pass, it's fine. Make, you know, you've, you've, you've already made say five good passes. That one pass shouldn't ruin your 90 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if, cause if you allow that to happen, then you just wind up, you know, it, then the, the whole game goes and gets away from you very quickly. Whereas if you just kind of move mm. on and, and recover, then, you know, at the end of the day, maybe nobody even remembers that particular pass. And maybe two weeks from now, nobody yeah. remembers that. You know, it, it all it all will will work itself out. Um, I mean. It's. As you as you said, the, the idea that you guys would be challenging for the title 
was kind of the goal and and you were and and as you said the the difference just in financial investment you have players who are being paid versus players who are paying to play and and even given that given all the 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 other jobs that the players at, at Southampton women's have uh you were still up there kind of challenging and i guess with that said is there a looking back on the season um you know, you did have a, a couple of, of of losses, and is there a match that you're most looking forward to having another shot at next year? Given that the the table, uh, you know, there won't be any promotion or relegation from the league this year. So, like, you know, which of those matches are you really looking forward to having another shot at this year? Um, I suppose there's a couple of things. Maybe not league wise, but I would love another FA Cup run. Would be amazing. I love the FA Cup um, and the attention it can draw. Um, and I think as well for a club, we do need to do more to capitalise on that attention if we're in that position again. Because, you know, we had a couple of big draws and I don't think we did enough, quick enough, in order to get more people in. But league-wise, um, I think a few of us have still got a bit of a, maybe a grudge. That might not be the right word, but we're still a little bit peeved, I think, when it came to the home game against Cheltenham. Um, I think we can all hold our hands up and say that we didn't really turn up on the day. But when you then also learn that the team fielded a player that wasn't eligible for them um, and the sort of, the league followed their own rules and they did it fine, but their rules were, when afterwards their punishment was they just took the three points off of Cheltenham and that's all they did. And we were just like, hang on a minute, we're still penalised here. Um, and it wasn't even as if it was a position where their player didn't do much in the game because we actually were about to name her our player of the match, like the opposition player of the match. So she had an influence on that game. <laughs> but that's, <laughs> um, that's by the by, you know, we hold our hands up and say, you know, the league followed their own rules. That's fine. But otherwise, I think it's got to be the Derby game against the other Southampton. Um, we only played them once in the season. Um, obviously, our, we were supposed to play them in February, but it got called off due to sort of all the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, and but the first tie it was a very closely fought, you know, game. Nil um, nil. We were in terms of since their inception. We are the only team to have um, taken a point off of them in the league. Um, and also, I believe, I think we're the first team to have stopped them scoring in the league as well. We must be. We've taken a point. Um, but obviously, as well, both those records are going to be wiped away now. So yeah. I think that gives us even more motivation to make sure that we do it again or actually pick up the three points. Because, yeah. as I've said, the girls are more than capable of it. But, you know, as it's... You're going up against a team that has got all that financial support, but if I'm honest with you, sometimes can't always be the be all and end all of, unless you're playing against obviously Man City or Chelsea. Sure, uh, that's a different question. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, money makes a difference to to an extent, mm. um, and and it can be kind of at the at the lowest level, uh, money can make a huge difference. And then at the, I think at the very elite level, money can make a, a huge difference, and sometimes in the middle, you can make up for it. Um, but if I if I recall correctly, and I could be wrong here, but I think that game was midweek, right under under the lights at night, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yeah, it is. In our league, every team has to play at least one mid-week, mid-week fixture. And kudos, obviously, to our league, actually. They always make it a local fixture. Um, so I think when you're only playing like that one or two sort of midweek fixtures in a season, they do become a bit extra special. So, yeah, you had that under the lights feeling. Um, and there was a good crowd as well. In I think there was over 300, maybe 400 people in on that night you know obviously most of them were cheering on the other Southampton or they might have actually been standing there going come on Southampton and going someone went which one yeah <laughs> um but you know it you know it was good and I'm sure there'll be another cracking tie next year and hopefully we'll actually get to do both fixtures this time yeah yeah well and and going back to the the Tottenham match um you know, had you managed that that win, you would have been sitting top of the table um, at, at this moment as it as it stands. Which, you know, with them uh, the lead taking away the points from Cheltenham, that's that's one thing. But you you know, naming that player, the opposition player of the match, and obviously the influence they had, you know, that a lot of things could have been different just with that one kind of decision. So, um, you know, it, it is it's, it's disappointing. But as you said, it's in the past now and. That will never have happened, um, I guess, which is I don't think I've ever encountered this in all the years that I've ever been following a sport or anything like that. I've never I've never, you know, and I, I, I don't I, I've never dealt with this before. So it's, it's kind of a weird thing to to look at. And when this happened and we were getting ready to, to speak, it was like, well, like this is all of a sudden throws a wrench in kind of all of the, the things that we would maybe would have talked about. But um the season is over and the results are going to be expunged and all of that thing, all of that stuff. But uh I guess let's talk about a couple of things that you won't forget and things that will kind of remain at least in your memory and maybe in the, in the pictures and videos from the club for, for here on out. Um, I, I guess, is there anything that stands out to you this season? Like what are some moments that, that you, I guess, won't forget? Um, and I guess we can work from kind of the beginning of the season forward if, if you'd like. Um, yeah. Wow. I don't think we could have had, um, a less eventful start to the season, or at least um, Jane have had a le- least eventful start to the season, bless her. Um, she's a cracking player and she's energetic. I think it's it's hard to ever get Jane just to sit still. But yeah, first game of the season, it's away. Um, love an away day. I don't think we did nearly enough this season. Every game seemed to be at home. Um, but yeah, first game of the season, away to Brislington. We rock up. Um, I believe it's a tough place to go. It's my first ever visit to them. Um, first time ever seeing them play. And, you know, it was still summer, still in August. The weather was nice. Um, you know, there wasn't much wind. It was great. And, you know, we're like, come on then, let's, let's crack on. And, uh, yeah, James stole the headlines that day. We, the Sinbin has been introduced this season into um, tiers three and below in the women's game and certain steps in the men's game. I forget where in non-league, but yeah, we had the same bit involved. And first game of the season, um, we go 1-0 up. Um, I think it was Anya McKeever. She scored, I think, the first one. No, uh, Lauren Clark, I think, scored. Then Jane gets her first goal. Um, but then... Before that, she um, there's something happens. I forget what happened at the time, but the referee he um, 
speaks to her and puts her in the sim bin. So she's off for, I think it's 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. So she, she, she's off the pitch for, um, and it was right before half time as well. But she's off. And, and just so we're and, down to 10. So while she's off, do you, you don't get to replace her then? You, she's, you just have to play with 10 no. for, for that time? Yeah, it's essentially the Simbin is there for players who act, um, do a form of dissent. So if they are, do dissent in the game, then the referee can um, send them off, put them in the, a player in the Simbin. Um, it, there's other more rules to it. I would need to get them up to explain it better. So yeah. I'm not going to go too into it, but it doesn't, on the first off, it doesn't quite count as a yellow card. And it's like if a player's already been yellow card, I believe it doesn't act as like a sending off. Okay. But I believe in that same incident, Jane did also get a yellow card. So she got simbined and yellowed. So she goes off. We're down to 10. I think it's about five minutes before half time. Um, and if anything from memory, I actually believe we actually play better with 10. Um, this is no comment on Jane, but we actually, we still controlled the game. We played very well. And then we score a third in that time um, from penalty. I think was, uh, Kelly. He scored it, Kelly Warren. And then Jane comes back on the pitch. And in that sort of time, she scores another two goals. She gets a hat-trick. Bridlington also scored two. Um, so it's 5-2 in the game. Um, so you think, God, that's enough. Mm-hmm. And then something else happens. Jane gets sent off. She gets a second yellow and she's off the pitch. And it was like, how does that happen? How do you get... Yellow, get booked, she gets sinned, score three goals in the process, and gets sent off. So she was like, you know, hero. That's sort of old saying, hero to zero. But, you know, he wasn't, it was what it was. Um, but yeah, it caught the attention. It was funny at times. Um, but yeah, that sort of will stand out, just sort of like those whole headlines. But there's other moments. I think the whole FA Cup run was superb as, it, as I've mentioned I love the FA Cup and I know most of the team and staff love the FA Cup um, I think the game for me was MK Dons um, where we were literally I think seconds something like 10 seconds or less away from being knocked out of the FA Cup um, we had taken Milton Keynes Dons of the league above us to extra time um, I don't remember much from the normal play of the game but I do remember the fact that Romsey Town's pitch wasn't in the best of shape. Um, but we managed to get the game on, and I think it affected both teams, the ability to play football. Neither of us could find the net. Go into extra time, MK Dons take the lead, you know, in that half an hour, and you're like, you know, we're trying to push, push, find that equaliser. And as I said, you know, there, I think there must have been seconds left on the clock and we get a free kick. Um, Lauren Cheshire steps up to take it. And she's told me afterwards that um, Jane went to her, shoot, go for it. And she did. And an absolute stunner of a free kick. Anyone wants to see it, it's on our, it's on the Southampton Women's Twitter account. It's superb, just flies, top corner. And we're just like, all sent delirious. Rose Kite, our goalkeeper, she was up in the penalty area. I would have loved to actually to see you know, the score. I always love goalkeepers going up in the last minutes for a free kick or corner. 
um, yeah, send the Delirious, we've gone, we're going to Pens. And then it's freezing cold because obviously it's December time, I think the game was played. So we're starting to get into winter, it's getting cold. Obviously, sunset because we're now past five o'clock or nearing five o'clock. Um, you know, and say it's freezing, we're all cold. I've given up tweeting because I think my laptop's about to go and my hands are just like almost frozen together. So I'm like, uh, give up the tweeting. Um, and not only that, tweeting a penalty shootout was just horrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then we win on penalties to great saves from Rose. She did her homework. Um, and Aaron Bloomfield with the cool finish for the fifth um, final one for us. And to send everyone delirious and into, that would have been the third round that took us into. Yeah. Um, but yeah, an unbelievable, unbelievable game and sort of determination from the girls. But there's lots of little moments that I know of sort of treasured girls because they're such a good group. They've got such a great sense of humour. When you become that Nick group and even as a media officer, you're sort of a bit more involved with them on the bus and sort of just like the banter and that and the staff are fantastic. Like Smithy's very keen to have good people in for his staff that he can lean on, he can trust to do various things and it's all a good knit group and something that we should be able to take on going forwards. Yeah. I think if, um, I mean, I, I do remember watching the, or following along on Twitter as that match was going on and, you know, just, the drama that unfolds in that because you're down so late, so late on the penalty shootout itself is, is a horrible thing to, to, to watch. Um, and then, you know, you, you spoke of Aaron stepping up to take the, the final kind of penalty. And I mean, we, she's been on the show before and if you didn't know, I mean, she's not even gone to college yet, right? Like she's so young and playing so well. Yeah. Uh, so just all the pressure there and to have her just kind of do that. And uh, I think it means, I know it meant a lot to her and I think it meant a lot to everybody else as well. So, um, yeah, I, she loves it. Golden. Yeah. I, I, and I think if, if you could have done one thing differently for me, it would have been the fourth round draw for the FA cup. If you could just have one thing over, you know, um, yeah. nothing against crystal palace, but you get that late on in the competition. There's a lot of big teams in there and you either want, I, I think we talked you about it. You want to double yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. You, you want, you want either the, the, the big, maybe the big away day or you want uh, a team that you can beat and you kind of got n- not, none of those, you know? <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a weird draw. Um, you know, I mean, yes, great. It was home again. Although obviously, that home draw had its own controversy, but um, yeah, so when you're seeing teams get drawn out against Arsenal City, you know, Ipswich, they had a fantastic run, same level as us, and they got Man City away. It would have been, I think, better for them if they'd been at home. They could have really capitalised on that. But I know they took several hundred fans up to um, the Academy Stadium for that match. But yeah, when you are a team that's been in it since the sort of the qualifying rounds, you get all the way to the rounds where the big boys or big girls say in this place, in this, um, in our case, you want to draw 
Chelsea, you want to draw City, you want to draw Arsenal, Liverpool. We all did because we all want, you know, the players, they wanted to go up against international players. Um, you know, Smithy would have wanted to put himself against top-level coaches. I, myself, I wanted to showcase my skills and the club against, you know, these top-level clubs that I've got. You know, they probably would have turned up with a whole, you know, 11 media people themselves, you know, yeah. and then it would have just been me going, hi. Uh, we wanted that, but we got Crystal Palace. We still got a few hundred people into the ground on the day. Um, obviously, when we played Palace, it was gutting what happened, but British weather is the British weather. Yeah. Um, and it played its part. But yeah, the girls can take full credit on what they did in that FA Cup run, even against Crystal Palace. We did, they did as good as they could. You know, there is a difference. You know, there were two leagues above us. You know, I saw some really daft comments from some Crystal Palace fans saying about like, oh, I hope you turn up next time after like, say the home tie was sort of abandoned. But I was just like, you know, you not even realise that these girls are doing this in their own spare time. They're not, you know, we're two leagues below you. Yeah. You're half your lot are part, you know, a part time because they're a semi-professional club, Crystal Palace women. You know, and not only that, only a year or two ago, Crystal Palace were, um, actually only last year, actually, yeah, Crystal Palace were um, still playing um, in the league below. So, you know, they haven't increased, you know, gone up that quickly um, that they should be forgetting, you know, this perspective. But, yeah, yeah, I think that would be the big thing if we got another FA Cup run next year, it would just be like, can you actually give us that big team? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, overall, I think the, I think a lot of people will be proud of what happens or, or what happened this season, uh, uh, both on and off the pitch. And, and unfortunately some of the re the records will be kind of uh, wiped out because of the, the coronavirus and the abandoning of the, of, of the season itself. But, um, if we kind of switch to just off the pitch stuff for a minute, you have, you've had a season with a lot of these players. Um, and I guess, you know, who, who least likes to be interviewed? Who's, when you walk in to the locker room after the game or you're, you're going up to the players as they're coming off the pitch and you know you have to have the, the post-match interview, who's looking down at the ground or looking the other way or trying to get by you without having to, to, to be addressed by you uh, the, the most? Pretty much all of them. Like, <laughs> they all hate it. Um, I think that probably stems from them not having done it much um, because obviously the like those who have been at the club for a few years or have been at other clubs where me the media hasn't been sort of like it's been done by someone within the club that's got a thousand other roles so they just sort of go in there's the game and there's the result so they haven't had much exposure to it okay. but um you know, and the fact as well, I haven't done much in terms of player interviews this year. And obviously that's something I want to, I do want to change because I want the girls to get comfortable and be good around sort of camera or interviews so that they don't sort of go, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like, what are you going to ask me? You know, this, that and the other. Wherever I could, I always try to sort of prep them beforehand. Sort of like, Shay, here's some of the questions, you know, this or... I give them sort of like a synopsis of what we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then I always sort of say to them, like, just breathe. We are literally just having a chat about football. It will be fine. And I, those that I have done this year, they've been fine. They've been good. Yeah. Um, I don't think, you know, they sort of go away. They're like, oh, my God, was I all right? Was I all right? I was like, yeah, we're fine. We're good. Yeah. You know, I'm not expecting polished perfection from people that are doing this part-time, that I've got jobs, they've got other lives. I'm not expecting them to be able to sort of speak fluent, you know, fluently and, you know, really eloquently. I'm not expecting Lucy Bronze to turn up. You know, I know what they are, um, but we can work with them. Well, I mean, even this is... I've just watched back Southampton's uh, 1976 cup final uh, earlier this week. And even some of those interviews, because those guys were not media trained, you know, it's the trying to talk to those guys after the match. And, and, you know, I think there were even a curse word or two were uttered and it's like, you know, that's what happens when people aren't, yeah. <laughs> we, the, the current professionals have all of this kind of training and stuff that goes on and all this preparation that goes on into into you know having the, these post match interviews and and as you said, the girls this this year they're they're coming from you know rushing from work to get to the game to you know to turn up and then and then after the game they got to go back home and some of them have you know families to take care of some have um, you know um, just just work to go back to right away and and so it's 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 a whole different kind of thing so um, yeah uh, is there anybody that that really just plays it up when they when they get on camera or when they when you have to talk to them after the match? Um, I'd say the jury is still out on that one purely because of where I haven't done much with players. I've only done a handful of player interviews. So um, I think maybe ask me that question next year okay. and um, hope, hopefully we'll have done a few more bits and pieces with the players and we'll see uh, what happens. I suspect that there's some bits that haven't come out. I think the only person I've really have interviewed most in the last year is the manager, mm-hmm. Aaron. Um, and pretty much every time I interview him, he's just like, my hair okay? Or, you know, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a bit conscientious of how he looks, but I think that's more from a professional standpoint than vanity. Sure, sure. I mean, have you, have you spoken to him since the season has been called off? And what's his kind of, uh, I, I guess, what are his feelings uh, around it? Um, yeah, I briefly spoke to him a couple of times earlier this week, um, exchanged a sort of like a few messages. He was sort of like a bit like, you know, a bit gutted about the whole uh, season. And obviously as well, with like certain teams still say in the league, he's sort of looking at that going, okay, we've still got that sort of dilemma to sort of deal with. Um, But, you know, and then he's also got, I think the headache of the planning now. Yeah. planning pre-season when do you get players back in you know how do you get players back in because as I say things are very much still up in the air at the moment you don't know the timelines you don't know when it's going to be safe for people to be in close contact with each other um so while he can plan um you know I've said this to him he's like don't know things at the moment he's like yeah um, so at the moment he's just, I think, planning, enjoying, say, things being a bit chilled at the moment. Um, cause obviously he's got a family, he's got, um, a little boy. So he's got a, you know, between him and his wife, they've got a 
try and homeschool him and that. So, yeah, he's got one eye on football thing at the moment, like we all have, hoping yeah. and praying that it's, you know, it would be back yesterday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and just switching to, to the men's game for, for a moment, uh, one of the questions that we got in uh, via Patreon is, um, you know, this, is, this comes from Rob and says, do you think the season, the men's season, will be canceled or just postponed until it can be finished? And uh, obviously we're, we're speculating a little bit, but um, what is your, I guess, what are your thoughts about, you know, I, I guess the, the rest of the season? And even if you want to extend that to the, the top two divisions of women's football, I mean, do you think that's coming back? And, and is it, I mean, I, I, I guess it's just really hard to say, but uh, what are your, what's your gut feeling on it, I guess? I think, obviously, I think they want to get the season finished. Um, I think that would have probably been the ideal situation across the board at all levels of football, because we're already in a position where we've got a season started. You know, let's finish it. Let's get those results. Let's nail them down. And then perhaps if that had taken us into halfway into like next season, then you maybe have said like, we'll scrap the 2021 season and maybe they could have done something else, a mini tournament or whatever, just say run the the cups maybe um, and had that over a shorter period. Um, I don't know. Um, Yeah, it's hard. It's, I mean, where some people have called for just call the leagues as they are. I don't think you can do that. Um, But I think no matter what the football authorities do, you're going to have people that are going to moan about it. You're not going to appeal everybody, but I truly believe that you cannot call the season as it is if people haven't legitimately won something. So across all four leagues, no team has won their title. No team has secured promotion. No team has um, been relegated. I think the only the only thing that has been 100% won is the League Cup. You know, yeah. it's the only thing to have been played and won. Um, the same in the women's um, game. The only thing that's been won is the Conti Cup in obviously the Super League champion between Super League and Championship. Um, yeah. I do want to see the season finished um, in some ways because just to get those sort of results, but then it's like, how long do you leave it? How long before we can get it played? But then it's, then that's also the same question in terms of then how do you restart football again for the new season? It's got so many ramifications and it's like, I'm glad I'm not part of the people that have to make those decisions because I think I'd be banging my head against the wall yeah. trying to figure out like what the best way is um, to do, you know, and I'm in some ways you can sort of say, just call the season, finish it. Don't give anything, just leave it as it is. Everyone stays where they are. In some ways, I think that could be an option. And I'm coming from the position of being a fan of a club that is still in a promotion place. You know, we right. still get promoted, but you know, it has such ramifications. I think no matter what happens, even if they do complete the season, there's still going to always be question marks or there's still going to be a stigma over that season. So anyone that wins the title, the FA Cup, um, wins promotion, people will always go, oh yeah, but that was that season. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, 
don't get me wrong, uh, I am also coming from a position of being someone that does not want to see Liverpool win the title. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I, I but... can appreciate that. So will, so will all fans of this podcast. Oh, except for one. Um, but in some ways, it's like, you know what? They have been, they've done the most to win the title this year. But even without this sort of virus pandemic being in place, I still would have looked at it like Liverpool winning this title going, if you didn't win it, you needed looking at yourself because of how they've had no real competition this year. Yeah. No one's been up to the pace. And then this second half of the season for Liverpool, I think like when they lost, um, when they eventually lost in the league, I think I must've been about the only person that was sat there going, no, I saw this coming. Like not necessarily like the other losses they had, like in um, the champions league and, and cup competitions, like the league loss. I saw that coming for ages because I'm like, they are beatable. People are just not scoring. They're just not putting it in the back of the net. Yeah. Um, I think when they played West Ham on the Monday night for, I think, that loss on the Saturday, whenever it was, I remember watching that game against West Ham going, how the hell did they win this? Yeah. They should have lost against West Ham. I thought it was West Ham. I could be wrong. Um, I think it while. was. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they won 3-2. And I was like, how in God's name did you win this? Um, but, yeah, uh, I don't envy the football authorities at all with this decision. It'll be what it'll be. Um, and I think we'll just have to deal with it. I just do very much feel for like people in like Southampton's position where we've had our season confirmed that it's over and there were teams that actually had secured promotion. Um, I know a team on the South Coast were than United both their men and their women's teams had secured promotion. That has just been ripped away from them. Yeah. And I can't imagine, like they've had, you know, they've celebrated on the days they were like, yes, we've promoted, you know, they will obviously pop the champagne and all that. And now the football authorities have gone, nah, your season's over and it's going to be white. And they're going, what? Um, but I think they've taken it on the chin, which, you know, fair play to them but obviously um that will have could have root huge ramifications because they might have players that this might have been their last season suddenly their last season's been wiped off the record books yeah um you know will they still be able to have the same team from this year you know in order to do it next year i think football as a whole won't take a while to recover in yeah. terms and i think that will be the majority of football. There'll be certain clubs within football that will survive, will be okay because they've got some um, safety nets, big safety nets, but there's going to be a lot, you know, that can struggle. And there's already rumours that rumors that some WSL clubs um, in the women's game, Super League clubs or maybe even championship clubs could fold mm-hmm. in the coming months because of this, because of money, because sponsors, I believe, are knocking on the door going, well, we paid for a year but we're not getting a year yeah so we have you know pro rata back you know pro rata of our sponsorship money and it's like i can imagine being that club going well no because that's paid for you know xyz and yeah yeah so it's gonna be a difficult position i think all around yeah it's definitely gonna have a kind of a far-reaching impact and we won't really know the full ramifications until until this has happened and, and that goes for men's game, women's game uh, all across the board. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we do have another question here from, from Kevin 
uh, Kevin McGee, another patron of the show, and he's asking mostly about um, kind of the backstory behind the fact that there are two Southampton women's football clubs, uh, one being Southampton FC women's, one being Southampton um, women's FC. And there was a third one, and I'm sure there have been more over over time, but um, the Southampton Women's Football Club, which you are associated with, is, I believe, the longest serving or longest running, continuously running football club for women in, in the Southampton area. There was also the Southampton Saints Girls and Ladies FC, which was associated mm-hmm. with Southampton FC before until they were relegated in 2000. Five, which meant that they kind of went on the, out on their own and now they no longer exist because of financial reasons. Um, so Southampton FC itself didn't have a women's team for, for some time until I think two seasons ago. Is that correct? Um, yeah, this current season that's been scrapped for women is their third year yeah. in, of having a women's team. Right. Um, I think they had a year or two where they had youth teams and then they created the first team um through um those youth players coming right. up right sort of like being sort of 16 and obviously got a few experienced players but um i probably don't know say the ins and outs of terms of why there's two in terms of why say southampton fc didn't invest in either us or southampton saints um i've heard little bits and pieces but yeah you know it you know, they decided what they decided um, and they've set up on their own. I think it would have been better had they taken one of the clubs under the wing, perhaps even the actual team that they had in the first place. Um, But, you know, we are Southampton Women's FC. We are the one that started back in 1970, um, which is the year before the ban was lifted by the FA on women's football playing um, sort of like competitively. Um, Because obviously during that ban, there was women's teams and stuff playing played, but that's another sort of history lesson. Um, So we've been going on. We've, you know, we've run independently from the men's team throughout that whole 50 years. Not once have they been involved that the club's, you know, done well. They dominated the FA Cup in the sort of 70s into the 80s. They won eight FA Cups um, and came and were finished in the final as well a few times. Where you know, there's only one team that's won the FA Cup more, and that's Arsenal. And they've done that more so in say the modern area of, of the game, so sort of since the 90s. But yeah, I suppose it's just down to say the men's not looking on to us that there's two teams and the fact as well we have the name first Southampton Women's FC obviously they've then wanted to create their own women's team and the FA or whoever has allowed them to be called Southampton FC Women which is not confusing at all no Um, it's perfectly clear you know (laughs) I suspect you know perhaps a conversation should have been had that you know, they should have maybe changed the name or added something in there to have it more different, the identity different, but obviously where they're partnered with the main club, you know, not main club, but the men's side that are established as Southampton FC, they're going, well, we don't want to be Southampton United, Southampton City. 
but you know various things happen for a reason but it was always fun um even when we played each other back in september it was even on the day i was still like how on earth do i report this game yeah you know southampton versus southampton you know um it was hard um but there is i did a little bit of a history thing on our website up to the game because obviously for a couple of months prior kept seeing people going how can you pay yourself how can you pay yourself like even reply to like ourselves or the other southampton yeah um and it's sort of like look they are two separate clubs but it is what it is we move on um you know we will always be here to sort of go look we were the first ones here we're the original we've got ones that have got the history like this season alone i've you know suddenly discovered and met some of the players that were from that original southampton women's team i had the absolute pleasure of meeting leslie lloyd who was the original captain she was an absolute delight to talk to um and you know she was the first captain that lifted that fa cup in the women's game and for southampton you know yeah and to have that history on our doorstep to go well this really happened. These people were here and they represented Southampton. We've had, you know, some of the players as well represented England at the time, Sue Lopez. Um, she's, um, very, you know, she went on, made several caps for England, um, but she was also a Southampton women's player as well. So we've got that. They don't, they're still, they're building it at the moment. They're building that history, but we've got that. And, that's something as well I want to explore because it needs to be known that, and even if something happens to this Southampton women's, you know, whatever, the other Southampton can't take that history. It's not theirs. Yeah. It never will be. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to say thank you for, for taking the time to do this. I know it's, um, you know, it, it's a little bit fun, but it's also kind of nerve wracking. And I know you're giving up uh, part of your time and I know we're all kind of sitting around, not sure what to do, but, so to sit down and, and do this is, is still, it means a lot to me that you would do that. And I appreciate your work. Um, as somebody who's been following Southampton women's FC for, uh, I would say now this is year four or five, the, as long as I've been doing the podcast, I've been, I've been, uh, you know, along going along with the team and, um, you've made it a lot easier to come in and, and kind of keep up with the team. And, uh, and I, I appreciate your work uh, a lot for that. Um, You've also, it's been easier to get in touch with players and things like that because it's not just some random dude from California messaging them saying, hey, do you want to chat on Skype? Because uh, that always goes a little bit uh, off the rails. They're not sure what's going on, but uh, to have you to go through, I think has is, is been great. And uh, I appreciate that. Um, if people want to get in touch with the team, they can go to the website. The link is in the show notes um, below. And they can, sponsorships and things like that, I'm sure as details come out about next season, um, that'll that'll all be there and, and, and the club relies on, on sponsorships and players rely on sponsorships to, to make the season happen. So um, that's all super important. So the, the website is southamptonwfc.co.uk. Uh, the link to email the club secretary is in there. Uh, hopefully Amanda comes back next year and she'll, she'll be there for that. Um, and if they, if they have questions media wise, they can get in touch with you. You're, you're at Newman Hay on Twitter and at Newman Hay on Instagram. So they can do that as well. 
Um, but yeah, I just want to say thanks for for doing that. And and before we go, I should say, is there anything else that you wanna you wanna cover before we go? I don't wanna I don't wanna cut you off. Um, I just want to sort of take this opportunity to really sort of thank everyone that's been following the club, supporting the club. If you've come to games, followed us online, um, all our sponsors as well, player sponsors, main sponsor. Um, we know this is hard times right now, and like sponsoring ahead of next season is probably the least of people's concerns. Um, but if people are interested, let us know. Um, I'm sure it's something that we're going to be, I think we'll probably need to review what we do going forwards. But as you rightly said, sponsorship is something that we heavily rely on. And the more sponsorship that we can get in, the less our players have to pay out for themselves um, because we're still in a position where we're asking players to pay. Um, like our first team players are having to pay and it would be good to get to a point where first team players don't because then they've got, they don't have to worry about that. And I think we shouldn't be in a position where we're going, well, we can only have these players because they can afford to play. I think that's just not a right thing to do, but we'll get there. We'll push on. Um, but yeah, thank you everybody. Sponsors. Thank you. The coaches, players for putting up with myself. Um, staff off the pitch as well like behind the scenes thank you for integrating like us newbies into the club this year um there's so much more that we can do we should be doing uh, for women's football and for southampton women's to get people to come along and watch us because we are the originals um but yeah thank you everybody and um and i want to say as well um just the support people have given myself personally um it's been fantastic players comments staff the comments it's great and it does help especially if you're having a bit of a bad day or bad week just that one comment saying oh that thing you did was brilliant or what you do overall like yourself saying you know it's been easier for yourself you know that's what i'm happy to see that if people are coming down to the game for the first time they've never watched women's football or never watched Southampton women but as you suddenly they've got the bug it's, it's because of a tweet or video I've put out of a player doing something that's what I want I want the expansion of the game I want more people to come down as I said football is not football without fans and the right. support alright well I, I just again want to say thank you and uh, encourage people to go out and, and you know take take note of the of the team that, that's there and that's, that's been around mm-hmm. and just just give them the support because it's a it's a it's a big part of the local community and um you know the the football is also good so that 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 there's that as well if you just want good football there's uh they're, they're playing it uh, out there so um thank you again and uh i'm looking forward to doing this again uh as the as we get more clarity as to what's going on next season definitely it'd be good to chat back again and uh, maybe uh throw some more players under the bus that's I, that's what i'm here this. for <laughs> <laughs> that does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Haley Newman. Get in touch with her at Newman Hay on both Twitter and Instagram if you're interested in getting in touch at all with the Southampton Women's Football Club. 
Um, there are links in the show notes to contact the club secretary if you're interested in becoming a club sponsor, sponsoring a player for next season, because although this season is done and the records will be expunged, um, next season just means a fresh start and another chance to challenge for a league title and promotion uh, to the next tier of women's football. If you'd like to get in touch with this show, you can do that at SFCDELL underscore IVERY on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. You can get those links and more at southamptondelivery.com, the show website, where you can also sign up for the weekly newsletter that comes out each and every Friday. It just keeps you up to date with what's going on with the show and also with the club, even though nothing right now is going on with the club. So there's that. The show would not be possible without the partners of the show, the Southampton page. You can find them on Twitter and Instagram at Southampton page on Twitter and at Southampton page one on Instagram. The logo was done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Be sure to follow along. Uh, he's got great stuff coming out uh, all the time there. All music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games and the end of show credits that you listen to right now is Aim is True by Poddington Bear. Somebody's at the door. We're pausing. Is the coffee here? Yes. From Michael's? This is getting weird. We'll be back next week. I hope you will too. And until then, uh, remember that together, we march on.